Good afternoon, Dr. Dan Guerra here uh, from Authentic Biochemistry. It's the 18th of September, 2021. This is a second audio lecture from my productions today because I said I really wanted to move along the video lectures and we need to um, fill in a, a number of gaps so that we don't spend too much time when we uh, do the video um, on these um, granular details that play a major role in the aging process in humans. And that's what our ultimate goal is to put this whole thing together into a synoptic. So let's get back into discussing mTOR because that's where we were earlier today. Remember there is classical, classical mTOR involvement when we talk about macrophage switching from the classical type M1 which is pro-inflammatory, to the type M2, which is essentially anti-inflammatory, macrophage. Remember, those are innate immune cells. So we call those polar phenotypes. Remember that I finished last time telling you mTOR responds to energy demands. And when it does so, it increases glycolysis, but also an anabolic reprogramming which involves lipogenesis, and of course, protein translation. Now, when you hear all that, you're in Annapolis and you think about mTOR, molecular or mammalian molecular target of rapamycin. <clears throat> now, mTOR, which is a protein complex called mTORC ultimately, is linked to metabolic reprogramming, as I said, uh, in many cells. And it's no surprise that it reprograms macrophages to polarize. And so mTORC1, I told you, promotes cholesterologenesis and fatty acid synthesis. And that uh, the induction of that pathway involves transcription factor, classical one called PPAR gamma, and also the utilization of another transcription factor called seroregulatory element binding protein and both ones and two. So we know this from classical canonical chromatin remodeling literature. All of those are gonna mediate the expression of enzymes involved in lipogenesis. So when it's active, mTORC1, the C at the end of that is complex, triggers cell growth, proliferation, and it does so by promoting protein synthesis, lipid biogenesis, and membrane biogenesis, of course, and uh, hypermetabolism, essentially. And all of this also shuts down autophagy, which remember, that's what cells do. <laughs> when they're reorganizing, as when there is some kind of severe stress, including nutrient deprivation. So mTORC1 inhibition then, in addition to reducing protein synthesis, will of course deeply degrade gene transcription from ribosomes both in the cytoplasm, polyribosomes, and also ribosomes associated with the ER. Now that's important in this mTORC whole pathway linking macrophage polarity alteration <clears throat> because protein synthesis, particularly in the ER in the macrophage, is going to be associated with glycoproteins, uh, that class of proteins that are going to end up being synthesized, secreted from the ER to the Golgi through the plasma lemma that are actually cytokines. What kind of cytokines? A pro-inflammatory type that macrophages can make. So this is how you switch to a different direction there because you're not going to have that ability, right? So you're going to switch from that glycolytic mTOR system to going into fatty acid metabolism, okay? And it's not going to be fatty acid anabolism, 
lipogenesis, it's going to be talking about beta oxidation of fatty acids. So that's the thing I left with last time. So let's get into some detail of this, shall we? This is a, an important uh, new protein I need to bring up to you. There's a, pro, there's a class of proteins called semaphorins. And one such semaphorin is called 3F. Now, what it does in neurons, it provides a guidance tool for axonal development. And what it does, it cues an ability to bind another protein called neuropilin or NERP2, which is a, a portion of the plexin A family. Now, this also has skeletal type proteins associated with gene expression ultimately. So new studies in SEMA3F, that's a semaphorin protein, <clears throat> has determined that that protein has effects in other cells, including, as it turns out, endothelial, T cells, and tumor cells. And all of this is associated with its uh, alteration of phosphokinase activity. So SEMA3F inhibits, actually, the phosphatidylinositol 3 kinase pathway. And with that, the AKT activity. And with that, response is associated with a disruption of the mTOR-Richter assembly, which we talked about in the last lecture. So that means associated with mTOR-dependent activation of the rho A GTPase. And what was found is that Expression of vascular endothelial growth factor, VEGF, as well as mTOR-inducible cellular activation responses and that cytoskeleton stability associated with the uh, proteins we, we just were talking about, the plexin proteins, are actually inhibited by a SEMA3F-NERP2 interaction. It's a protein-protein interaction. So... What you get is local and systemic overproduction of SEMA3F in certain cell lineages. And when it that does occur, it reduces tumor growth in an NRP2-expressing xenograft. <clears throat> so taken together, SEMA3F seems to regulate mTOR signaling in diverse cell types, including T cells, including endothelial cells and tumors. And that means it could have broad implications for therapy. What kind of therapy? Pharmacotherapy. Now, paper published way back in 2011, so a good 10 years ago, talks about SEMA3A as a secreted semaphorin, and it's going to interact with an NP1 protein and a plexin A1, and it's going to cause the migration of dendritic cells. And with that, in the neuronal system, you're going to get neuronal exon guidance, which is what I was alluding to. You're also going to get angiogenesis and tumorigenesis. Now, the SEMA4D interacting with a CD100 plasma membrane protein is going to interact for ultimately with plexin B1 and another protein called CD72. There, you're going to get an activation of B cells, dendritic cells, and microglia. And again, that's going to be associated with neuronal exon guidance and angiogenesis. SEMA4A is going to have a lymphoid interaction protein 
and it's going to be linked to a plexin B and a TIM2 protein. And there you're going to get an activation of certain T cell lineages. You see where I'm going with this? One more, SEMA6D is going to involve an integrated interaction with several proteins, lymphoid and non-lymphoid all together. <clears throat> and it's going to involve proteins like OTK, the VEGF receptor, isoform 2, plexin A1, and the TREMDAP12 protein complexes, the dimer. And what that's involved in, again, activation of dendritic cells, osteoclast development, and cardiac morphogenesis. Now, this is classically what was discovered way back in 2011. There's one more, 747 7A, I guess I should mention, works through a GPI anchor, kind of simple. It gives you uh, an interaction with the alpha-1, beta-1 integrins, and that activates a whole host of inflammatory cells. <clears throat> it's also involved in the formation of the olfactory tract during cellular differentiation. So you get an idea why I'm interested in these semiporins with the very next discussion here. It's possible that there is an mTOR, semiporin 60, PPAR gamma signaling axis. And in fact, you know what it does? <clears throat> it mediates anti-inflammatory macrophage polarization. And it does it via one of my most precious of all biochemical pathways. It does it via the regulation of fatty acid uptake and metabolic reprogramming. I told you that it happened to go from M1 to M2. So that research seems to suggest that the SEMA6D does what's called a reverse signaling that plays a critical role in the control of macrophage polarization because it reprograms the metabolism from anabolic lipogenesis to catabolic beta-oxidation. Okay, And that's going to switch from M1 to M2 ultimately. So you've got a cytokine receptor, which are basically toll-like receptors, and they're going to interact with mTORC1. mTORC1 is going to turn on PGC1-alpha and another transcription factor called YY1. And together, those dimerize. And what they induce, this is mTORC now, is mitochondrial biogenesis. Mitochondrial biogenesis is going to enhance fatty acid metabolism. What kind of fatty acid metabolism? Well, guess what? Beta oxidation, right? Because that's where it occurs in the mitochondria. Remember the carnitine pathway. <clears throat> now, where's plexin and semi-6D come in at? Right here. Plexin A4 and semi-6D form a protein-protein complex at the plasma membrane of the macrophage, which then associates with the CABL protein, which then turns on PPAR gamma. PPAR gamma is going to cause the transcriptional activation and therefore expression of the protein CD36, which is another plasma membrane protein. We talked about this many times. It used to be called an orphan receptor, but what it's useful for is taking in fatty acid. So now you've got mitochondria, and now you've got PPR gamma generating a, a receptor-mediated uptake of exogenous fatty acid. What do you get when you combine the two? Beta oxidation. So this is a paper published in Nature Immunology in 2018. What do we hear from this paper? You get this polarization of macrophages 
into pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory phenotypes. And it does so via these, these very discrete metabolic discriminatory pathways. And so what links the two together is, which is a mechanism of this whole thing, is the mTOR. Remember, mTOR itself is a kinase. So you get kinase signaling through it. That's why it's important. <clears throat> so mTOR regulates, as we've said many times, metabolic stasis, and it promotes polarization of macrophages. I just went through that for you. And what this 2018 paper uh, revealed, okay, is that mTOR semaphorin 6D, peroxyproliferated receptor gamma, has that axis that comes together to play a critical role in macrophage polarization. In fact, the bottom line of this paper was an inhibition of mTOR or loss of SEMA6D, if you do a deletion mutation of it, will block the anti-inflammatory macrophage polarization. And it'll do so concomitantly with a very severe impairment in the transcription of PPA or gamma, okay? And that therefore will inhibit the CD36 expression because that acts as a transcription factor for it downstream. And therefore, <coughs> you don't get lipid metabolic reprogramming, right? So when you inhibit it, that whole process changes. So macrophage expression of the receptor plexin A4 is responsible for the SEMA6D-mediated anti-inflammatory polarization. And they found in this paper that that ABL protein, it's called CABL, which is basically just a tyrosine kinase, will associate with the cytoplasmic region of that dimer where the SEMA6D leaks into the cytoplasm. And that's required for typical PPR gamma expression, you see. So... What happens is SEMA6D is important for the generation of yet the, the change in intestinal resident chemokine-mediated macrophage assembly. And when it does that, it shows a prevention of the development of colitis, which is an inflammatory disease, you see. So what they suggest is SEMA6D gives you a reverse signaling in macrophage polarization, and that's coupled to an immune response. And here it would be a hypoimmune response because there's lack of pro-inflammation, pro-inflammation, and the meta metabolic pathways all linked with PPA or gamma, giving you the CD36 and fatty acid metabolism at the same time. That's the important point I wanted you to pick up on here, okay? Now, <clears throat> a little bit more here. If you treat macrophages with a, a torin 1, which is actually a selective ATP competitive inhibitor of mTORC1 and mTORC2, that results in a defective anti-inflammatory, but yet now an enhanced pro-inflammatory macrophage polarization. Okay. So if you do a comparative transcriptome analysis with this system, what you get is the expression of the anti-inflammatory signature genes, which are exemplified by those encoding a resistin-like molecule alpha called retin-NLA. The arginase one I talked to you about, that's the uh, urea cycle enzyme. 
a mass receptor type C1 or MRC1 and our old friend interleukin 10. And all that is profoundly reduced in the presence of this Torin 1, which is a selective ATP competitive inhibitor of mTOR1 and mTOR2. Okay, so mTOR and another protein called lamTOR, it's another receptor kinase, will promote anti inflammatory macrophage polarization via the activation of a liver X receptor alpha, which will control another controlling mechanism for lipid and cholesterol metabolism. So when you use an, that's called LXR. So LXR alpha antagonist, a drug called 5CPPSS50, don't worry what its structure is right now, will function to suppress that SEMA6D expression after you get an interleukin-4 stimulation, but did not affect the expression of a SEMA4D, suggesting that the SEMA6D might act downstream of mTORC1 and LXR in the macrophage. Okay, so now we're getting into more granularity. That's why I'm doing it in the audio, because we can't do this in the video. Way too much in-depth discussion here. I can talk faster. So after all this, this is what goes down. Interleukin-4 stimulation in a SEMA6D negative, double negative knockout, looking at bone marrow-derived macrophages. Now, what are BMDMs? Bone marrow-derived macrophages are primary macrophages. They're obtained by in vitro differentiation of bone marrow cells in the presence of yeah, of course, macrophage colony stimulating factor, or MCSF, also just known as CSF1. And they're easy to obtain in high yields. That's why people study them. And you can, you can freeze them and pull them back out. So there's a lot of reason to use these cells. So they had a SEMA60 double knockout BMDM cell lineage. After they stimulated those cells with an interleukin-4, they see a substantially reduced expression of arginase-1, chitinase-3-like, that's the chi-3L1, and the retin-NLA, as well as interleukin-10. I just mentioned why those were important. And all that was determined, of course, by using quantitative RT-PCR. So what else they saw is the urea production, which, of course, is what? That's the readout of arginase-1, gets markedly reduced. <laughs> so that was a good bioassay. So under LPS, lipopolysaccharide plus interferon gamma stimulation, the SEMA60 double knockout bone marrow-derived macrophages express substantially higher levels of interleukin-12, P40, tumor necrosis factor, interleukin-6, and an inducible nitric oxide synthase, NOS2. All of that more so than wild-type BMDMs, whereas the levels of interleukin-10 were markedly reduced, which makes sense. So consistent with this SEMA6D, BMDMs produce essentially more pro-inflammatory cytokines 
because you're getting IL-12, P40, TNF-alpha, and IL-6. But you get less of the anti-inflammatory cytokine, IL-10. So this now puts together the whole package of how semaphorins working with plexin proteins functioning through transcription factors like PPAR gamma being regulated by the mTORC system will change the polarity of macrophages. Now, where does all that thou get us? It gets us exactly what I was telling you before at the end of the last lecture. The molecular switching of M1 to M2 that is pro-inflammatory macrophage to anti-inflammatory macrophage and also a healing macrophage because it will allow for the um, digestion of cells that have gone through apoptosis, for example. When you switch into those, those two cell lineages, you're switching from a proactive inflammatory macrophage, which would then defeat incoming pathogens in an aging human, to an M2, which would not inhibit pathogen invasion because the innate immune system is being basically deleted or defeated okay, because of the M2 switch. And all of that is linked then to this system that uses mTOR and then with the those transcription factors I just went through. But ultimately, it's switching from glycolysis anabolism to beta oxidation of fatty acids, which is, of course, catabolism. And so the M2 macrophages are doing beta oxidation and are using fatty acids for that purpose, as long as everything's functioning for that transcriptional activation of the genes for beta oxidation and for that CD36, right? And all that's through PPR gamma. But if that's not functioning correctly, you're going to stay pro-inflammatory, which can give you a hyperimmune response, which is also dangerous in the aging adult. Okay? So you understand that whenever there is a disruption of this tight balance that controls the valence of macrophage avidity, either for pro-inflammation or anti-inflammation, and because our macrophages are involved intimately in T cell via antigen presentation, T cell through MHC class two, um, a presentation of antigens, and also through dendritic cells interacting there as well at the site or localization of a potential infection or stress tissue response. All that's going to link then to hyperactivation or lack of an activation of the right T cell lineages. And remember those T cell lineages were also involved in that M1, M2 switching, Th1 pro-inflammatory M1, Th2 anti-inflammatory M2, okay? With feedback regulation from interleukin-4 in that receptor system. So now you get the idea of what can go wrong in aging, okay? All of that is really important to understand. So <laughs> expression of most anti-inflammatory related genes it's going to be profoundly lower whenever you get a SEMA 6D double knockout. And this was studied not just in those bone-derived macrophages, those naive ones, but in peritoneal macrophages um, taken directly from a mammalian uh, model, a mouse model. And so this is really important because it links back now that tolerogenic macrophage polarity would have expressed and interleukin 4, 10, TGF beta, and interleukin 13. But when you corrupt that SEMA 6D by making that knockout, you stay in the pro inflammatory state post an interleukin 4 injection or even using chitin, which is a 
fungal cell wall component, which will trigger the same toll-like receptor, right? All right. So what the, we can summarize this to this point. Semaphorins act as a ligand, basically its cytoplasmic tail does, to, perf to perform like a receptor. The anti-inflammation gene expression is actually paradoxically reduced by blockading mTOR, and semaphorin 6D is likewise suppressed, ultimately transcriptionally, you see? So the SEMA6D double knockout that was done in the mouse system with those, with those peritoneal macrophages, they're unable, even if you stimulate with chitin, to generate an anti-inflammatory macrophage, which means low expression of anti-inflammatory cytokines. And rather, they become militantly polarized, you see, as a pro-inflammatory macrophage, M1. And that will be exacerbated if you block interleukin-4 with a monoclonal antibody. That's how the study was done. So this looks like it's an amphibolic multi-protein complex switching mechanism. Basically what I'm telling you here. Whereby mTOR stimulation emblematically initiates anabolism like it always does. But also is the efficient cause, efficient cause, direct cause, of semaphorin 6D synthesis downstream, which ultimately turns the activated macrophage into the fatty acid translocating, beta oxidizing, anti-inflammatory polar extensial. And by that, I mean understood as existing in an individual and discrete predicate. Essentially, this is an elaborate intracellular fail-safe feedback mechanism. So you got all that, hopefully. You got all the things I just explained to you in ultimate and discrete detail, right? And I know I spoke fast, but I also know this is a recording, so you'll be able to go back and listen to it, and you'll be able to follow along, because this is, this is how I summarized it for you, okay? You get the idea that this is a really important um, function of these macrophages. So there's a couple more data points I want to bring up, and I'm going to do it in a way of a conclusion because I don't have that much time. SEMA6D-induced PPAR gamma transcription will regulate fatty acid uptake and oxidation in anti-inflammatory polarized macrophages, or M2s. SEMA6D transcription is down-regulated by mTOR1,2 inhibition. SEMA6D down-regulation results in impairment of the anti-inflammatory macrophage polarization. Of course, we just said this now. While it promotes an inflammatory macrophage polarity, right? So the absence of SEMA6D, logically, reduced the expression of PPR gamma and all of its target genes, like CD36 and the FABP4. That's gonna, these are all fatty acid oxidation systems, thus blocking the switch to fatty acid oxidation from aerobic glycolysis. Because you'll remember the PPR gamma Transcription controls all those beta oxidation and mitochondrial biogenesis genes. So SEMA6D functions as a super molecular axis. Okay. This is a really important point here that you have to, you have to key in on because this is going to be important for the aging, which paradoxically, only pseudo-paradoxically, obviously, because I just explained it's not really a paradox, links mTOR and PPR gamma 
instantiating a macrophage polarization via its 389 amino acid receptor functional cytoplasmic tail of the SEMA6D, right? So a tyrosine mutant uh, is actually a variant SEMA6D, which lacks, remember that CABL linkage, remember that other kinase? It wouldn't, cannot rescue the anti-inflammatory macrophage polarization, even in a SEMA6D double knockout macrophage. So that shows that SEMA6D, when it has a proline-rich region in the SH3 domain, the binding domain in that protein, in the cytoplasmic region, it shows that that is important for the association of the CABL kinase, ultimately inducing, you bet, the transcription of PPAR gamma, which becomes a transcription factor for mitochondrial biogenesis and beta oxidation via CD36 uptake of fatty acids from extracellular lipoprotein. So all that promotes an anti-inflammatory property in the macrophage. So in the immune system, CABL is negatively regulated by itself, it is, by the transcription factor NF-kappa-B, which of course is a housekeeping signaling system, whereas NF-kappa-B is a first responder to reactive oxygen, TNF-alpha, interleukin-1-beta, and LPS, all of which can increase, not the LPS so much, but all those pro-inflammatory cytokines as you age, both in cellular beds in the periphery and in the central nervous system. So I'm going to leave you with that because I don't have time to really get into the diaventological uh, perspective here. I will get to that next time. It's Dr. Dan Guerra, Authentic Biochemistry Studios on the 18th of September. This is part two saying bye for now.